SEN Summer Brecky, Trent Copeland and Michael Karianis with you this morning. Good morning to everyone listening on SEN 11.70am here in Sydney as we fill in the chairs for Vossi and Brandy. The boys are back. February 12th, Super Bowl day. They'll be back in the chairs. They'll finally kick us out, MC, and probably rightly so. Uh, for the first hour, we welcome those of you listening on SENQ 6.93am in Brizzy, Patton Hills, along from 6am Queensland time. And of course, everyone listening across the SEN network and the SEN app, good morning to you. We've got plenty of sport this morning, MC, a few other stories to get through as well. Uh, what's, I guess, front of mind for me is when a colleague gets in the paper. Yes. And starts swanning around the office and big noting. We we're trying to find a paper this morning and we, we'd heard about this story, right? And we were trying to find the paper. Could we could we find a Herald? Uh, I, we're trying to find this story. Charlie Goodsir is apparently in the paper and we're trying to find it. And, of course, Charlie walks over and he's got the page open. And he says, here you go, Trent. Mm. <laughs> Here's the story about me. Good morning, Trent. Good morning, everyone. I'm, I'm well, I'm well. It's good that it comes with a listener warning for anyone that does pick up the Sydney Morning Herald <laughs> today, that they'll see the great Charles Goodsir um, standing um, there. And, and he's talking about a, a serious issue before we get into that, though. So producer Ben received mm. this text yesterday about 2 p.m. Hey, mate, might be a fun one, but I'll be in the SMH for either tomorrow's edition or over the weekend. Could be a bit of fun, uh, banter on air. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> Who do you think sent that? AKA, get me on air. Get me I'm on air. ASAP. Um, so, yeah, he's talking around concussions, which obviously uh, yeah. is a very, very serious issue and, and dealing with his experiences um, as a community sport player. And it said that it ended his community sport career. Hmm. Are you, qu- are you questioning that he had a career? Well, I think community sport career de- definitely had. <laughs> he definitely had because that's obviously just playing park football. And there's an interesting photo of, of Chuck in action mm. as well, a, an action shot playing AFL. But, um, yeah, a, a very interesting way to wake up this morning. And, Copes, we're both here. Mm. You know why? Because we weren't one of the two people that won the $100 million Powerball oh, last yeah. night. So two people, one from single, a singleton couple and a mystery, Cameron Smith, a mystery Queenslander <laughs> has won, that will split the, the prize. I'm glad it didn't go all to one person. A couple of people can in, enjoy those spoils. So that's a, a, a nice start or a nice start to the year yeah. for, for a few people to, to walk away with 100 mil. Sounds like we're in origin camp. Mystery Queenslander. <laughs> <laughs> it's an mystery, illness. Yeah, mystery yes. illness in the Queensland camp. Uh, well done to those of you that won Powerball last night. Unfortunately, as you say, MC, we didn't come out the other end rich. But there is one man who is rich mm. and he's made you know, huge news. He's one of the biggest names in world sport. Huge shock in the F1 world. Lewis Hamilton is set to leave Mercedes in a bombshell switch, making one of the biggest moves in the sport's history. It's rumoured that he's going to Ferrari. Now, are you firstly, are you an F1 fan? And secondly, you're shaking your head. So that's answered it for me. We are on audio. Um, I'm so, trying to get you to stop prodding. Because <laughs> I'm not going to have any answers here. No, Surely I'm not. You know I'm not. The, I'm the not. significance of Lewis Hamilton in, in world sport. Yes, yes, I do. 
I do. I do know that much about <laughs> motor racing, but that's my extent of it. Well, I'll be interested to hear your thoughts. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six is the Edgewater Homes text line, and one three hundred oh one eleven seventy the open line. Can you remember a bigger switch, cross code switch, um, even brand switch with athletes? You know, one that's really shocked you, where you just have this. You hear the words Lewis Hamilton, and you have this immediate association with brand, performance. Drive to Survive, all of these things that are out on Netflix. Um, he's one of those guys that is just synonymous. Mm. Cristiano Ronaldo and United there for 10 years. Yeah. All of these guys, Tiger and Nike. Yeah, that's you know? a good one. So it, tell us what you think. Has this shocked you? Do you think it's a good move for Lewis Hamilton? Uh, but big news in the world of F1. Now, we've got plenty of other sport to discuss this morning, but... You also came across a story mm. about uh, bosses and work hours. Yeah. that's We've had a bit of a discussion this morning. It's an interesting one. It is. It is a, a story in, in today's paper, and it says workers will be able to tell their bosses to stop making unreasonable contact after hours under a slew of workplace reforms to be debated next week. I've got uh, Dan back in the studio today. Trade his news in a nutshell. Uh, firstly, how was that? And secondly, you look like you were nodding along there. No, no, no. Not at all. Not at all. Uh, it was good, tradies. I love hearing from my bosses at any point in time. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, it is an interesting one, and it does get under people's skin. I'm in a little bit of a different circumstance, I guess, because of the nature of my job. Um, I'm of the belief that there's an expectation that I'm on core almost 24-7. Um, given the rolling deadlines and um, the immediacy of some stories that, that do break. So I don't have an issue. Like my bosses are pretty realistic. If they're calling me at 8 o'clock, at 8 p.m. or 9 p.m., something big is going on and I want to be part of it anyway. So I, I don't have an, an issue. Um, it would be annoying if it was nitpicking stuff or minor or something that could wait until tomorrow or just flick me an email and I can get to it when I get to it. Um, yeah. you know, I know some people get a bit antsy, I guess, when emails are rolling through at all times of night, but as long as there's not an expectation to, to read it or reply at that stage, I don't care when I get an email. Yeah. It, it doesn't affect me when, when, you know, I don't have to check it, um, when, when emails roll through, but it is an interesting debate as we try and, um, get back into, you know, post COVID, um, work-life balance, um, where, where we all sit in, in, in that realm, I guess. As a sportsman as well, it, back to your playing career rather than your office life, there would have been a different expectation. And I'm sure, you know, WhatsApp messages and schedules and phone yep. calls were team selections and, and things, or if they're going to break, were all happening at all different types of hours of the day. Yeah, I mean, not just that. It's like drop drop everything you've got to get to the airport. Mm. You're a late call-up to go to a game in Perth or a game in India. Yeah, You, you know, it's, yeah. you've just got to drop everything. And it's the families that then, you know, get knocked around because of that. Yeah. Um, and it's certainly not crying poor there. That is part of the privilege of playing elite sport. But um, every job is different. Mm. Tell us, how does it affect you? 0457 736 736. An interesting one. I, I'm definitely even in corporate life now of the opinion that send or receive an email whenever. Yeah. But the expectation to reply needs to be realistic. Yeah. And during business hours. Yeah. Uh, 
Big topics this morning. Big topics. <laughs> uh, the Big G has just texted in. Said, morning, Trent and Michael. I'd be surprised if Lewis goes to Ferrari. If true, it will only be it will only be so he can say I've driven a Ferrari F1 car. Sounds more like he's trying to get a pay rise as something similar has played out in the past. Cheers, Big G. Yeah, well, as we were saying, it is just reported news at the moment, not confirmed. Um, we'll did, wait and see. Did you ever use um, rival states as leverage when during your contract negotiations? Uh, not knowingly and, you know, sitting there saying, come on, you've got to beat this offer. Mm. Um, certainly not <laughs> for my own financial gain. It was more just a legitimacy of opportunity. But at the end of the day, there was nothing other than New South Wales from me. Yeah. What about you, mate? Rival papers? I've switched camps. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> no, so no doubt. Yes, I did use it as leverage and I won, is what MC's opinion was. Uh, it's, a, it's, a much, it's a much smaller field Yes, in, in, in my industry, so yes. Well, speaking of the one that you did land at, uh, the Daily Telegraph, there's an interesting story that went live at six this morning yep. and in the paper today about a Daily Telly pre-season NRL coaches poll. Can you tell us firstly about the process mm. and how this all comes about behind closed doors. And then we might touch on one of the topics. We'll do it in, in full a little later in the show, but there's some fascinating data that's come out of it. Yeah. It's something that we've run now for the last couple of years where, um, we sit down as a group. Generally it was Brent Reed, David Riccio, myself, and a couple of, of the editors sit down and work out, um, some questions, um, that we can get to coaches um, and assistant coaches, mind you. So it's every NRL head coach and every assistant coach. So it probably went to about 45, 50 people. I, I'd say we've got 30 replies, which is pretty good. Um, it's an online anonymous survey. So they have a form to fill out. Um, we either ring or, or, or text um, the coaches that we have relationships with. That's how we break it down. So we split the clubs up. Um, and then sometimes within the clubs, we split them up with um, certain journos. So someone might have a good relationship with an assistant coach. And one might have a good relationship with a head coach at a certain club. And, and that's how we sort of break it down. And, um, you know, I, I would say that I, I think at least 15, this is just a rough number. I reckon getting replies back from, from coaches and having conversations, I think at least 15 of the 17 head coaches would have completed it, okay. I, I, I'd say. And then, um, you know, multiple assistant coaches. So it's a pretty good um, gauge of, of their feelings and, and their thoughts on the games. It's a range of issues. We'll go through some today, and then part two will be in tomorrow's paper and online tomorrow as well. And part two um, really goes into on-field issues. Um, but today, we're looking at uh, the game from a bit more of a holistic point of view. And, and there's some big topic items that they get into and, and discuss. And some of the results, as you say, copes are, are surprising, I, I guess, and, and probably give a, a sense of a, of a, a real feel of where the coaches are at heading into the season. And it's a good time to do it because the pressure of wins and losses aren't there. The emotion isn't there. So sometimes if you did this mid-season, um, it can skew their, their thought process a little bit depending on how they're going on the competition ladder. If they've had a bum call against them on the weekend prior. So I think having a bit of <laughs> having a bit of clean air and doing it now is probably the best time of year to, to really get the, their thoughts in a non-emotive way. Yeah, it's interesting. Do you want to tease out one of them now before we move forward? 
yeah, let's tick one off. What's the biggest issue in the game? So we, we asked the uh-huh. coaches this, and um, it was pretty split. We, we gave them a list of, of options, and, and sitting at the top is player managers at 23%. Interesting. So player managers. Are the, so Speaking of not being emotional, I, I'd imagine that's on frustration of dealing with trying to sign player X. Particularly or this time whinging, of year. Whinging about playing role prospectively. Yeah. Yeah. So that's an interesting one in terms of when you look at the time of year because we've gone past November 1. It's all that free agency sort of period, trying to re-sign players before balls kicked. Um, so that that's an interesting one. Um, the next one's a, a concussion at 20% and player transfer system at 20%. Junior participation, officiating and bunker, they're both at 13% as well. So pretty close. They're a range of you know player managers at 23%, concussion 20%. Player transfer, 20%. Junior participation, 30, 13%. And the bunker officiating at 13%. And others are at 7%. So a broad range of re- responses there from the coaches. Yeah, broad spectrum. We'll delve into this much more later on as well. But fascinating insight into the coaches and what they think is, uh, in this instance, the biggest issue in the game. So the preseason NRL coaches poll on the Daily Telly website as well. And that leads us to... Ask him, what do you think is the biggest issue in the game, in, in rugby league? Do you agree with the coaches? Um, is it player managers? Is it concussion? Is it participation and, and, and grassroots? Text us in on 0457 736 736. Look at you running the show. You've run morning segment. You've brought in your NRL players under pressure. Now you're taking over the reads of the text line as well. Yep. Love this. Yep. I could probably go home at this point. <laughs> that would be very dangerous for all of us. <laughs> a reminder that SEN will have full coverage of the first ODI between Australia and the West Indies this afternoon. 1 p.m. if you're in Queensland, 2 p.m. Sydney time. The commentary team headed by Adam White, the bowlologist Damien Fleming, Darren Berry and John Donohoe. We are here for Brighton's lawyers. Unable to work due to injury or illness, contact Brighton's lawyers. The lines are open and we have lines available. one 1170 is the open line number. We've got a Signet Boost power bank to give away to today's best caller. Welcome back to Summer Brecky here on SEN 1170 AM in Sydney. Trent Copeland and Michael Carianis with you this morning. Partly cloudy today with a chance of fog this morning. Let us know if fog is affecting your suburb. 0457 736 736 to let us know. Heading for a top of 28 in the city and 32 in the west at Penrith. And good morning if you're in Brizzy. You're with us for another half hour before Patton Hills will take over. A sunny day up there with tops of 33. Now, just updating a few things. Today's guest, we're going to have Shane Watson, former Australian all-rounder, legend of the game. He's written his second book. So his first book, Winning the Inner Battle, was a real success, talking about the mindset of elite athletes and, and how to get the best out of yourself. This one, his new book, he's coming on to talk about the winner's mindset. I'm looking forward to hearing Watto talk about that. Uh, he's got some great insights from personal experience, but also uh, now in coaching uh, and just in life, corporate speaking and, and many different walks of life. Shane Watson will join us. Simon Orchard from Greyhound Racing, New South Wales. He'll come on and Hammy Goodman will be on as well. Now, just before the break, we are talking about bombshell news that Lewis Hamilton was set to leave. It was reported that Mercedes was going to be letting him go or Lewis Hamilton was going to be going to Ferrari. We have since, in the ad break, seen confirmation on the Ferrari's official Twitter page and on their website that Lewis Hamilton is indeed confirmed to be moving to 
Ferrari from Mercedes in 2025. So big news in the world of F1. I'm looking forward to the Drive to Survive edition that includes those chats uh, and also Lewis Hamilton sitting in a Ferrari. Um, MC, there's a bit of English Premier League going on this morning. Uh, West Ham taking on Bournemouth. That's at 6.30 a.m. Sydney time, 5.30 Brizzy. And Wolves taking on Man United, uh, 7.15 a.m. Sydney time, 6.15 Brizzy. So a couple of games this morning. There was some, I guess you could call them big results yesterday. Ange Postacoglu's Tottenham getting the win and moving up into fourth position on the table. So Hammy Goodman gave us a Thursday threesome yesterday, which included Man United uh, getting the job done today. So we'll follow that one and give him some stick if he doesn't get it done for us. Uh, MC, there's a few other stories that we've been talking about this morning. Um, the NRL, you were mentioning the coaches mm. their, and their opinions on the biggest issues in the game. Well, there's a story today about ticket prices to NRL games. Now, Tigers supporters accusing Eels of price gouging for their Easter Monday clash. So the cheapest seat is $87 and a family, $259. Just from pub test point of view, that doesn't scream value to me despite the significance of the occasion. So I can understand the frustration from Tigers fans. Yeah, that's pretty expensive. Um, $87 for, for a game um, of, of football where, you know, at other times, you know, they can be less than $50, like, I guess, to, to go see a game. Obviously, it's a, a marquee uh, event um, than um, some of the other matches. So that's probably why they're cashing in a little bit, the Eels. But, yeah, $87 for a cheaper seat. For a regular season game, I think it's pretty expensive. Yeah, no doubt. Oh uh, four five seven seven three six seven three six is the text line, and one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Would you pay eighty seven dollars or two hundred fifty nine dollars as a family to go to that Easter Monday clash? Are they off the mark? Let us know your thoughts. There's a question here on the text line from Murray mm. saying, "Michael, could you please explain how you can target each club's head and assistant coaches and their replies back to your papers?" Various preferred journalists be anonymous. Thanks, Murray. Yeah. So, just to clarify, Murray, what actually happens is we send them a an online survey form, so we don't actually know which coaches completed it and what their responses are uh, individually. Yeah. Right. So, so you're so making contact. You're making. Yeah. You're saying uh, here is what here we're sending is, you. Yeah. Here is what we're sending you. Here is the form. If you get, if you have an opportunity, can you please fill this out? And then once they get in there, it's they're filling out the answers and spit it back to you. You just get the end data points. Right? Yeah, someone you know? on the online team. Yeah. I don't even see it. Someone um, in in the online team gets the um, final. There's no name attached. There's none of that stuff. We're not tracking IPs or anything like that, right? So it's <laughs> oh, all. I wouldn't uh, put it past it's you. All, uh, it's all. It's all. And I forgot to mention that some in the lead up to to the poll as well, we do bounce it off head coaches before we send out the questions as well to get a vibe and, and a sense of what they think could be some some relevant questions as well. Yeah, what to ask. Yeah, good point. The Big G has texted us in as well. Morning, my opinion on the biggest issues in league, grassroots, third-party payments, both interesting topics. Cheers, yeah. the Big G. Grassroots, for sure, third-party payments. Yeah, it's a murky world. It, <laughs> it is it, a great it, area. It is, it is really murky and trying to get your head around it, understand it, explain it. It's, yeah, it, it is a... It is different and it doesn't have an even playing field for, for some clubs. Can you explain that just in explicit terms? I mean, Brisbane, for example, and, and the Broncos players and the third-party players mm. compared to, say, Canberra. Yeah. 
such like huge. it's just a different ballpark. Huge. We're talking millions of, of of dollars that potentially that players as a collective can earn outside the salary cap because they're just in a bigger market. Mm. Cost of living, I guess, comes into that, and that's probably why they're more readily available in those areas. So it probably evens itself out a little bit. But uh, if you look at you know cost of living in Brisbane compared to Sydney, like the the Broncos would get way more third parties than uh, Tigers or Dragons or you know some of those struggling clubs yeah. at, at the moment. You know, so it's yeah, it, it's not fair. But how can you stop a player from earning an income mm. outside of, of of the game? Yeah, it's just the murkiness is how arm's length clubs are yeah. from arranging that when they're not supposed to have any uh, influence over those things. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this one from Mark. When I hear Lewis Hamilton, I think Nicole. Interesting. Uh, we got one from the West Eels. Good morning, boys. Good win for the Baggy Blues yesterday. Looked like a tricky wicket to bat on. That was in Perth. So just updating. New South Wales in a one-day game against WA uh, at the Wacker, they win that game. Uh, I think they won five uh, five wickets down in the chase, but did it pretty easy in the end. Uh, So a big win for New South Wales. They've been under the pump in recent times and need to get a few more results on the board before the end of the season. Their chance still to host both finals, so hopefully... Things can improve there. We've got an ODI coming up this afternoon. There's plenty of sport to talk about. We're here for Bryden's Lawyers. Unable to work due to injury or illness? Contact Bryden's Lawyers. Stay with us. The news headlines next, and then we'll delve further into the big sports news of the morning. Yes, thanks, Vanessa. Brecky is powered by Kubota. For over 40 years, we've been making tomorrow matter, shaping and building Australia together. If you're just waking up, here is what's making news and what we've been talking about This morning, as you just heard there with Vanessa, Formula One superstar Lewis Hamilton has sensationally just switched to Ferrari from 2025. It's been confirmed online from their official Twitter page. So we'll speak to an expert in this field. I mean, I'm a fan, but we're and MC, you know nothing about it. So offer me donuts uh, when we were talking about it. Uh, That's about a lot of issues. (laughs) That's true, but we're going to get an expert on out of seven o'clock. Matty White, who's obviously yeah. here on SEN running the morning show, he has a wealth of knowledge in this space. So we'll talk to Matty White out of 7 o'clock about Lewis Hamilton joining Ferrari. In other news, Aussie golfer Lucas Herbert has been confirmed as the latest live golf signing on the eve of 2024. Here's Lucas talking about the Australian-led Ripper franchise, which is captained by Cameron Smith. Hey guys, Lucas Herbert here. Some of you might know me as the worst kept secret in the Ripper GC rumours. Great to finally be announced as an official part of Ripper GC. I cannot wait to start this season here in Mexico. Really looking forward to Adelaide in April. Can't wait to see you all out here at a few events. Hey guys. Uh, any Lucas Herbert knowledge? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> but Live Golf, and particularly the Aussies and their contributions to Live Golf early in making this a thing. Mm. You know, big money outlay, but it's it's always going to be nothing unless there are players that are doing things on the big stage, like Cameron Smith yeah. in particular. So great to have Lucas Herbert on board as well. Um, investigations continuing into how Australian soccer players had their passport, contract, and other personal information leaked by a cybersecurity incident. Now, that's it's a big story, mm. but it's being reported that it was more of an accident than a hack. So... Uh, but either way, sensitive information getting out is a big issue. So 
I'm sure the Australian soccer players that were affected will like to see the end of that and figure out exactly how it happened. We've had a few of you asking this week about Will Pekovsky and an update there. Well, confirmation yesterday that he's been ruled out of the next round of the Sheffield Shield. So we talked about in a second 11 match, he was hit a little while ago. He was taken off the field for after a concussion test, but he was then passed, came yeah. back on the field and scored some runs. But there are some delayed concussion symptoms. And here's Chris Rogers, Victoria's head coach, discussing Will's situation with Jared Waitley on SEN Melbourne yesterday. It's always a concern when, when he gets hit, hit in the helmet. But what was, what was you know, Will was desperate to stay out there. He was, he was keen to keep going. And, and um, um, he hadn't, we haven't really seen that before. So that was the real positive. And then, and then after that, he came off. He just said, you know, he felt okay, uh, went out and had a hit in the nets and said, yeah, he was ready to go. So everything seems pretty good. When he got back home and there was a, um, a few fitness sessions, there was just a little, little bit of dizziness. Um, dizziness. So, um, yeah, I think that, as, as I said, the, the medical team have decided to take a, a conservative approach with it and, and we support that. Yeah, I think that is the best methodology. Conservative approach, make sure Will is looked after. This guy has a serious future in front of him and hopefully he gets on track with just some freedom to play the game yeah. that he loves. Uh, it's always unfortunate when this stuff happens. So WAV New South Wales in the Marsh Cup I mentioned yesterday. WA batting first, 162. New South Wales passed that score, 5 for 163. The highlights from that game, Jack Edwards, who's having a stellar season, 3 for 14 with the ball. And then when New South Wales were chasing it down, Dan Hughes, as he's done so often for New South Wales, 52. And Tanvir Sanger back in the lineup playing white ball cricket. He, There's a name that I'm not familiar with here, Copes. Will Zalman? Solzman. Solzman. Yeah. Well, what's his? He took three wickets yesterday too. What's yeah, his? young all-rounder. Uh, has played Aussie 19s. But sort of a, a skipping, uh, how would you say it? Creeper runner. He, okay. He sort of, you know, it's not the, the old Brett Lee steaming in. Uh, but he's got some skiddy pace and he can bat in the middle order as well. So exciting young talent. Mm takes three wickets and he's done it really every time he's had an opportunity. So some exciting young talent there. Uh, Ollie Davies, the other one who's really exciting. He got 38 from 34 balls to finish off the win. Uh, in the EPL game between West Ham and Bournemouth has just got underway and Man United are taking on Wolves a little later this morning. Have your say on the open line. one three hundred. 011170 is the number. Pick up the phone, give us a buzz, lines are open. We'll get to all of your feedback on the day's big stories in just a moment. Welcome back to Summer Brecky here on SEN 1170 AM in Sydney. Partly cloudy today with a chance of fog this morning. Let us know if fog is affecting your suburb. Heading for a top of 28 in the city and 32 in the west in Penrith. And good morning in Brizzy if you're with us this morning. You're with us for another 15 minutes before Patton Heels will be along. Sunny day up there today with tops of 33. Summer Brecky is powered by Kubota. For over 40 years, we've been making tomorrow matter, shaping and building Australia together. Trent Copeland and Michael Carianis with you this morning. Now, we have a caller on the 1300 01 1170 open line. Andrew, good morning to you. You want to talk NRL ticket prices? Yeah, good morning, gentlemen. Yeah, I was just thinking that is gouging. It really is. Mm. I mean, they're doing themselves out of business. If you were to take a family there, say two kids, by the time you get in there with your $250 ticket, you're going to spend another $100 on meat pies and drinks and whatnot. Right? 
no one's carrying that sort of cash anymore. It's an expensive day out. If we're looking to go to a regular season game and it's costing families three, four hundred dollars to go to a regular yeah. season game, that's yeah. that's not good enough. That's the sort of thing you save up three weeks for. Yeah, that's what that's, and, and you're saving up if your team's going to play finals or something for big events. You know, like, um, yeah, I, I'm with you, Andrew. That is very expensive. It's ridiculous. Well, that's the, yeah, a big question this morning on, uh, I guess, ticket pricing, how it affects grassroots, because no doubt the people that are watching this game are likely having kids that are playing the game. You pay, your outlay to have participation in the sport that you like as well. Mm. It's not just the ticket price. It's jersey costs. Yeah. It's then food at venue. All of it bundled into one is an issue within sport. I'm not just talking NRL, but mm. uh, I guess the you know the other thing is, you're not getting your incidental just NRL fans to those games either. No if chance. If it's Tigers v Eels, and you're a you know a fan of another club, yeah, you're not going and paying eighty seven dollars. No, it's also a very good TV product. Yeah, and radio product. So it you know not necessary to be in venue to have that experience. Yeah, and neutral, you're not going to pay one hundred and fifty dollars to go watch a a regular season game. By the time you you account for either public transport or um, parking, you know, public transport's sometimes included in ticket prices, but if not, yeah. you're to pay for public transport, parking, food, a couple of drinks. That's an expensive day out. It is. Great call, Andrew. Thanks for that this morning. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. We've got a Signet Boost Power Bank to give away to the best caller of the day. Uh, a few texts that have come in this morning uh, on exactly that topic. Rooster Ryan. I wouldn't pay $87 to watch two reserve grade teams play. <laughs> <laughs> Harsh, but is it fair? I love sledges uh, yes, like that. Yes, yes. Uh, the Shoalhaven doctor says men's and women's New South Wales cricket teams both had a win yesterday. So we're talking about New South Wales men's team victory over WA in Perth, but also a good New South Wales breakers over Canberra Meteors victory yesterday by 34 runs, the Shoalhaven doctor. Very good point. Saskia Hawley uh, coming through with some runs for New South Wales, and they needed it. The, the breakers have been under the pump this year. So good story there. Uh, another text, uh, Morning Copes, good win from the Blues yesterday. Where is Curtis Patterson? Mm. Uh, I mean, certainly playing good cricket for St. George and he's a new father, um, you know, living a, a life that is, you know, very different from a couple of years ago when we saw him burst onto the scene for Australia. I, I don't know whether he ended up with, but he at least at one point had a better average in test cricket than Don Bradman. It was like 160. No, he does. Yeah, yeah. he's got the best. I think he's got the best average of anyone that's played test cricket. <laughs> and that's, you know, he scored a big 100 down in Canberra. Um, he's clearly got the ability to play that level. Nothing's changed there. But mm. in that phase of his career where um, there's been some challenges, he was captain of the New South Wales Blues, but he's very much a part of the squad, still a presence and a leader. Um, but in that phase where some other young guys have come along and, and, you know, the lack of success has dictated that changes needed to be made. He was one of those and he's got to fight his way back. Can he fight his way back, Copes? Well, yeah, on talent alone and, and the ability that he's got. Um, but the difference is being able to do it every game like he used to, as mm. opposed to one in five, one in six. Um, and that's a question on every batter. Um, and even we're seeing that occasionally at test level. It's It's not you know, unique to Curtis Patterson. He almost played his way into the Australian side off the back of club cricket. Yeah. Do, do, like, obviously he had a, that, that foundation for New South Wales and the like, but didn't he go back for St. George and 
when there, there was no state cricket being played and, and he scored truckloads of runs. Truckloads yeah. of runs and then played in those tests against Sri Lanka. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So hopefully Curtis Patterson can fight his way back into the New South Wales side. At the moment, doing wonderful work for St. George in Premier Cricket in Sydney. Undefeated. I think it's 11 matches, 11 wins, and Curtis is playing a big role within that. So Since you retired. Yes. That's right. They got <laughs> they rid of me. They haven't lost the game since you retired. Is that what you're saying? They got rid of me. I've said this many <laughs> times in the group WhatsApp. You get rid of me and then you start winning. Yeah, well done. Uh, another text here from Spanky. Uh, nice name. Anzac Day is always at the footy stadium. If West v Parramatta is such a big event on Easter Monday, get 70000 at Homebush. PVL promised on this show last year jersey prices would be slashed too. Interesting. Good call on the jerseys. Yep. I'm going to chase that. Thanks, Banky. There's your, there's your story for the day, MC. Look at it. Maybe He's... not today, but at some oh, stage. Okay, sorry. Busy. Look at coaches poll to do. But that's, yeah, that's, no, Spanky's 100% right. There was a, um, uh, went a claim, there it. was a claim saying that, no, no, jersey prices will come down. Yeah, and it was Vossi was going hard at it. I remember we had Peter Wynn on the, on the show talking about, um, you know, prices of, of jerseys and how it's changed over the years. And it's got to a point where they're becoming a little bit ridiculous um, and not, not isolated to footy, um, I think, in a lot of sports. But, yeah, we, uh, need to, we need to make the game affordable. We also need to make revenue and, and there needs to be commercial interest looked after. But... Uh, it's it's a juggling act, and if you're getting eighty seven dollar tickets to the Tigers v the Eels, mm. two hundred and fifty plus for families, I think it's a fair call out. Uh, you know, not that you need to be shouting from the rooftops that it's you know <laughs> there's murder going on, yeah, but it's it's worth a conversation, and it, and it probably needs to be addressed. Uh, off to a break. We are a reminder that SEN have full coverage of the first ODI this afternoon between Australia and the West Indies from 2 p.m. 1 p.m. in Queensland. The commentary team headed by Adam White, Damien Fleming, Darren Berry and John Donohoe. We are here for Brighton's lawyers. Unable to work due to injury or illness? Contact Brighton's lawyers. In a moment, we're going to take a look at some of the big events and birthdays on this day in history. MC always comes with his research. Bit of cricket flavour this morning as well. Stay with us. It's SEN Summer Brekkie. Trent Copeland and Michael Carianis with you this morning. 0457 736 736 is the Edgewater Homes text line. And 1300 01 1170 is the open line. A few texts on the jersey prices that we've just been discussing. Jersey prices fixed at $99 for rep teams only from the Belmore Bandit. So maybe club jerseys are still at peak price around that $170 mark, but... Rep jerseys have been changed. Um, mm. Morning, gents. This one from HP Robbo. Morning, gents. On overall cost to be a supporter, I looked at buying a Parramatta training jersey. It's $90 fully sponsored. That's steep. Yeah, that is expensive. For a training jersey, yeah. And that's the sort of thing that surely those assets to a club aren't nearly as important as the yeah. jersey sales. Yeah, and one that you could hope that you know people who can't or don't want to pay $170 or whatever the, that cost for a jersey, they could get one of those ones, uh, you know, for 50 bucks, really. Yeah. Tell us what you think. 0457 736 736. It is the 2nd of February, 2024. But MC, he does his research here on this show. He's come in with some info on what's happened on this day over the years. That's because you're texting me late at night to, to get this done. I'm like, mate, only during office hours. But anyway, <laughs> it's, in 1973, New Zealand cricket legend Richard Hadley makes his test debut against Pakistan in Wellington. 
He went on to take 430 wickets in 86 test matches. Not Pretty a bad good. career. Pretty good. Uh, and, you know, we, we've gone through through COVID, but on this day in 1349, 200 people a day were dying in London as a result of the Black Death due to the bionic plague. Bubonic plague. Bionic plague. It's all happening. It's anyway, all happening. Let's get on to 19, some more 1349. Topics. Former rugby league, and this is not in 1349, but <laughs> former rugby league player and coach Jason Taylor is 40, 53 today, born in 1971. He's over to the left. They're pointing at him. Walters, I don't know whether he was directly behind. Taylor goes for the shot. Taylor, he's got it. Taylor, he's got it. He's got it. I love those calls. Robbie Farrow wishes you a very happy birthday, JT. <laughs> and we're just talking about this man, Whoop Koski, who's 26 today. Happy birthday, Puck. Yes, Puck. Yes. And Shakira. Do you like Shakira? Fit of Shakira? Yes. On this day in 1977, she was born. She's 47. The highest selling Colombian artist of all time. We're selling over 400 million albums worldwide. Shakira fan? Yeah. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> Good singer. Good singer. Uh, but those of you listening on SENQ this morning, 6.93am in Brizzy, we're going to say goodbye now. Pat and Heels are taking you through the next couple of hours after the break. If you're listening to us through SEN 1170 here in Sydney, there's plenty more to come. Stay with us. Straight after the news, we're going to take a closer look at the overnight bombshell news in the world of F1, we've got Shane Watson coming soon, Simon Orchard and Hammy Goodman. Stick with us. Good morning, it's SEN Summer Brecky. Trent Copeland and Michael Karianis with you on Friday the 2nd of February. It is almost the weekend here on SEN 1170 AM in Sydney. We're filling in the chairs for Vossi and Brandy. They're, they're back. They are back. Monday, February 12, Super Bowl day. The boys will be back in the chair. If you're listening anywhere else across the SEN network, good morning to you. We've been talking about another Aussie golfer signing with Live Golf, Lucas Herbert. But the biggest news of the day, the biggest news in world sport really, is a team statement from Ferrari this morning. Scuderia Ferrari is pleased to announce that Lewis Hamilton will be joining the team in 2025 on a multi-year contract. Lewis Hamilton leaves Mercedes. All the reports off the top of the hour, uh, out of six o'clock when we started, were it wasn't locked in. Then we get confirmation this morning. Who better to talk to about it than SEN's own Maddie White? Good morning to you, Maddie. You're, geez, you're up early when you're running mornings from nine o'clock. <laughs> up early, scaring 
the news around the globe, but this is massive, isn't it? Morning, Copes. Morning, MC. Look, it is massive. I'm just trying to think as you, you know, enunciate what's happening there in Formula One. Formula One's used to big and and sort of left field decisions. You never really know what's going to come, but this is a world sport news event like in terms of the size of the story itself and I'm just trying to think of another big one of this scale and certainly a move of this scale and as you rightly point out Copes the deal is for 2025 but I'll start by saying don't be surprised if something happens earlier because you never can be surprised in the way things work in Formula One. I reckon never before has the term drive to survive, which they've cashed in on, has been so apt because in F1, boys, you have to do it to them before they're going to do it to you. Now, I'm not saying that Mercedes were going to punt Lewis Hamilton down the track, and I'm not saying that he's jumped before he was pushed, but I reckon he's gone because he can't see a way to win races and win championships at Mercedes. Right, So he is finding a way at the back end of his career to try and get that eighth championship. Money doesn't matter right now. So this is all about Lewis Hamilton moving on in search of a winning car and a winning team. And he doesn't think he's going to get that where he is, which is where he's been, boys, since he was 13 years of age. He's been there since he was a teenager. Why, Matty, do you think he can't or he'd have in his mind that he's got a better chance to, to win at Ferrari? Because he doesn't have a good chance at Mercedes. That's really the bottom line at the moment. They haven't won and haven't been in a winning zone since the catastrophe of the end of the season in 2021 when he should have won the championship at Abu Dhabi. He finishes second to Max Verstappen in all sorts of controversy. He finishes sixth in the championship a year later. He finishes third last year. But the fact of the matter is that Lewis Hamilton has not won a race in Formula One in the last two years. He's won at least one and multiple in 15 straight years of being in the sport. He's won seven championships, as we know. In the last two years, while he's been winless, Max Verstappen's collected 34 race wins. Now, that says everything to a bloke who knows that you can't be in a position to try and get what you want in Formula One, especially when you're Lewis Hamilton. He's not there to make up the numbers. He's not there to be a development driver while they try and get their, you know what, together for the next couple of years. He needs to be in a winning car, and that's the reason why he's making this move. And there's also something emotional about it, something romantic. Every driver who steps into the world of Formula One, whether they're a Brit, an Australian, or an Italian, wants to drive for Ferrari at some stage in their career. So that's the emotional side. But the cold, hard reality of Formula One is you've got to be in a winning position. And to do that, you've got to be in a winning car. And he doesn't see that there's a way at the moment for Mercedes to do that. And they're starting from scratch, boys. They're going to have to start with a whole new system. And that may sound really easy to you and I, but that puts them two or three years behind the eight ball. Because while Red Bull are winning, they can concentrate on next year. Halfway through last year, they're thinking about this year. And halfway through this year when Max Verstappen is, uh, Verstappen is pantsing him again, they'll be thinking about the year after. Yeah. So this is how far you can get behind quickly. 
Well, you mentioned uh, you know the Ferrari name, and I guess that's where I wanted to take this because I'm I'm a loose fan in terminology, certainly no expert, but I'm interested in your opinion on the legends like Michael Schumacher, Fernando Alonso, on where Lewis Hamilton could end up in terms of the significance to the brand that is Ferrari, and it's synonymous with Formula One. Where does he end up? Yeah, it's a really good question, Copes. And I, I get the feeling that Lewis, these guys operate in numbers, right? They, they, it's a numbers game. And when you get to the stage of the career that Lewis Hamilton's at, the only number he's thinking about is eight. He's currently tied with Michael Schumacher on seven Formula One world titles, right? He wants to be top of the tree. Verstappen may get there, but at the moment he's, he's what, four back. Verstappen's on three and there's plenty of time to, for him to do it. So where does this leave his legacy? Well, if he can get an eighth world championship, and I don't think he can, but if he can get an eighth world championship, then he goes to the top. He goes to the absolute top, and that's why he's in this game. But not only that, he does it at Ferrari, which is an amazing way to finish off a career. Here's something interesting. Michael Schumacher won his last world title in 2004. He was 35 years of age when he did that. Lewis Hamilton won his last world title in 2020. He was 35 years of age when he did that. He'll be 40 next year when he steps behind the wheel of that Ferrari car. So it would put him into the stratosphere anyway in the record books, but the folklore and legend of Lewis Hamilton would be off the charts if he could do it at that age in that car and become the greatest. Yeah, absolutely. Just confirming, Lewis Hamilton signing a multi-year deal from 2025 with Ferrari. He leaves Mercedes to join up with Ferrari. Matty White, you'll be with us from 9 o'clock here on SEN. Look at you, up at before 7, Into doing it. your research and coming up with the hot stuff. <laughs> Love your work, mate. <laughs> Thanks, boys. Thanks, <laughs> Have a great day. Uh, it's big news, obviously, in the world of sport, but we're, we're going to come back internally now to the NRL. We've been discussing this morning... In the Daily Telegraph, you've got an NRL preseason coaches poll tackling the biggest, more broad issues in the game. One released today, and then maybe tomorrow uh, a bit more on field. Um, the, the issues that the coaches see on field. Uh, but you mentioned off the top when we got into this, what is the biggest issue in the game? Was the first question, and the responses were player managers at twenty three percent, concussion at twenty percent player transfer system at 20%, junior participation and officiating and bunker 13% and other at 7%. So where do we want to take this now? Because we've got three or four or maybe even five of these to get into. Um, what's perked your interest early? And and maybe just another refresher on, on the process. Yeah, so 30 head coach or assistant coaches completed this survey. We sent it to them about two weeks ago, um, an online anonymous survey where we just sent the, the coaches or assistant coaches a link um, and um, they completed it in, in due time. I'd say, you know, I would guess to say around 15 head coaches at least completed it, which is um, a, a pretty good strike rate. But um, so a range of issues in terms of, um, you know, their, their content or discontent, but in this instance, content with the NRL management, um, how much they consulted on rules. Um, one of the other interesting ones I thought was expansion. Um, which is going to be a hot topic this year. There's no doubt the NRL will um, make a decision on expansion plans at some stage this year where we go to 18 teams by 2026 probably um, and then the opportunity to go to 20 teams at some stage as well. And 
um, it was pretty clear cut here, considering everyone and myself included thinks that the 18th side will be based or have an allegiance to PNG. Yeah, I think that's you know, and you know, we've seen some political circumstances rear their head over the last couple of weeks there in PNG. Whether that's enough to influence um, negatively against um, the NRL or decision or, or PNG's chances or not, I don't think so at this stage. But um, according to the coaches, fifty percent would love to see the game go to Perth, so that's huge. Fifty mm. percent Perth. Another team in New Zealand's twenty three percent. A PNG side is 13%, and a, a, a Pacifica team is 3%. And then there's other 3%, and no expansion, 7%. So Perth at 50%, clearly in front. Then New Zealand at 23%, and PNG at 13%. I think if we go to 20, we'll have all those three options. Yeah, it seems to be the way that people are thinking, but I, you're absolutely right off the top that, I think the political, the stuff that's been going on in PNG, of course, is is an issue and it needs to be addressed. But the political interests and the money that will come to back that, you know, is in the blocking of the North, yeah. essentially. Yeah. Um, but also the, you know, the fanaticism about the NRL and, mm. and particularly the players like Justin Ollum, it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, where they're going to be based and things like that, that's a different question. There's a couple of others that you've got here, maybe one more before we get into your players under pressure. Yeah, should clubs get a salary cap, cap discount for players they have developed? Huge yes. 93% yes. Um, no, 7%. And, and this leads into a, another question as well, is should clubs receive a salary cap discount to sign rugby players? No, 87%. Yes, 13 Oh, I mean, the first one, I'm with the, the majority vote there. Yeah. Um, players you develop, I think there's an, an amount of time and resource and, and, you know, just effort that you put into doing that. But the second one, signing rugby players, I couldn't care less where you're signing them from. Mm. You're signing players. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter. <laughs> what You shouldn't be getting a discount for that. But tell us what you think on these stories that MC's bringing up. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy is the open line. 0457-736-736 is the Edgewater Homes text line. Right, time for the biggest segment that you bring to the table every day. MC, NRL players under pressure. Yeah. And I'm really interested. I have a vested interest in your first topic. Well, I thought this is the last one that we're going to do together this summer. So I'm going to go with your Roosters, Copes. Do it. And and I'm looking at Spencer Lenu. Okay. He arrives, um, you know, whenever... You know the Roosters have uh, have made you know, so many big recruits, uh, uh, big name recruits over the last couple of years, and you know when they get there, there's an expectation. Um, there's a lot of eyes. There's a lot of commentating uh, around commentary around um, how they perform. We saw Brandon Smith last year not live up to the hype at the start of the year and finish strong. Um, and then Spencer Leonard, who comes, I've never had a seen a player arrive at the club having such a heated encounter with the alpha in Jared Rio Hargreaves, like we saw Spencer Leonard and, and Jared go through without, you know, let's take it outside. Let's go to the parking lot and punch yeah. on essentially. Right. It was madness. And I got to know Spencer a little bit, um, before Christmas. I'd, I'd never, I don't think I'd ever spoken to him before. Um, but he was on that Vegas tour that, that I went on and he's so different to the guy that you see on TV. He's, and it's very similar to Jared, right? When, when you, when you meet Jared, You'd be surprised how gentle 
Jared is and how polite and softly yep. spoken he is. He's a mountain of a man and intimidating um, physique. But both of them get this white line fever and they just see red. So it's going to be so interesting to see them do it together. I don't know who the common influence is going to be there because at some stage there's going, they're going to tip. They're, there's going to be they're going to reach a boiling point. But Spencer arrives now. Um, you know he was a very 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 good bench player at the at Penrith, an outstanding player. Um, but come off the back of a middle of of Fisher Harris, Liotta, and Yo, mm. pretty handy to to come onto the field at some stage with those guys having done significant damage in that opening twenty twenty five minutes. If he starts for the Roosters, well, he's going to have to set the platform. He's got Lindsay Collins next to him, pretty good player. Victor Radley, pretty good player as well, right? So that that yeah. is nothing, you know, that's still a, a an elite middle third of, of the field. But Spencer needs to come there and um, be that new in four. He, they bought him to replace Jared, essentially. Eventually, when Jared retires, potentially at the end of this year, that firebrand forward will be Spencer Lenu. So if Spencer can come there and um, show that he's not a – a bench player, not that being a bench player is disparaging anymore, right? But if you're starting, it's a different role. You've mm. got to set the tempo. The tempo had already been set for him at Penrith. That's the difference. Yeah. It's so, gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how that all works. But the one takeaway out of all of that is <laughs> when you see athletes on the field, particularly in the NRL and footy codes, where there is a level of animosity that mm. is required to compete on the field, the judgment from fans and, and us yeah. is oftentimes just what you see on the field, mm. <laughs> but it's not. Because it's the only thing you can judge them on sometimes. Exactly right. But a lot of people make that judgment in solidarity around my viewpoint is right. Yeah. This is this person. Yeah. Whereas oftentimes they're very different. Uh, moving on to your second team. The, the Dolphins. The Dolphins. Yeah. Well, who have you got there? I, I've got Thomas Flegler, very similar to um, Spencer Leonard arrives, you know, as a representative player now. Uh, yeah. Off the back of um, some really good performances from uh, at the Broncos, but at Brisbane, it's a similar theme. Carrigan and Haas, Flegler was there. At at the Dolphins, they've they've got an aging forward pack. When you look at the Bromiches and Kafusi and and Mark Nichols and those sort of fellas, they're at the back end of, of their careers, and you know they've been great players. But for the Dolphins to have sustained success, Flegler's going to be a cornerstone of that forward pack. Tom Gilbert, I'll get Tom Gilbert back. I think Tom Gilbert's injury really hurt him last year. I think he's a really good player. Yeah. So Flegler comes in. Um, he, he's got that offload. He, he can, um, you know, really become a premier forward and lead this Dolphins forward pack. He, so he's going to be that leader of that forward pack now long term. Where at Brisbane, he had the benefit of Haas and Carrigan, two of the best middles in the game. Yeah. Whereas now you look around and Jesse Bromwich, 300 plus games, outstanding career probably playing his last year of footy. All right. So I think for, for Flegler now, the expectation, the pressure, um, can he carry a forward pack? That's the question for, yeah. for Thomas Flegler. Yeah. And he's definitely that kind of guy that's on the upward trajectory. Yeah. Um, but you're right. When it's, it's not the, how great is the upside? It's the, we need you every week, every week, every carry yeah. to be bending the line back as our main man in the middle. Um, one question that's come in on the text line from Rooster Man. Lads, what about Sam Walker and his future? In reference to players under pressure at the yeah. Roosters, a good call there too. There's a lot there. You know, Brandon Smith, Sam Walker, James Tedesco, Angus Crichton. You look at all these guys who you'd say would be under significant pressure. Joseph Swalehi, who's leaving the game. You know, 
Dom Young. This you could you could list a, a stack of them. But yeah, Sam Walker is a real really intriguing story. We know what he went through last year, dropped, injured, back. Um, but there's no doubt with the Roosters or any chance of you know getting back to being a, a top four consistent side, they need Sam Walker playing really well at seven. Yeah. Staying healthy is a big part of that mm. as well, but hopefully uh, he gets back on track. So two players under pressure from the Roosters and the Dolphins, MC running NRL segments all day today. He, you give him a call at 10.30 this morning. Let's run another NRL segment. You can. You're I might, all over I might it. not answer. <laughs> You're all over it. We are here for Bryden's Lawyers. Unable to work due to injury or illness? Contact Bryden's Lawyers. Hammy Goodman from Sportsbet along in just a moment. And he'll be taking a look at some ODI markets ahead of the Aussies versus the West Indies this afternoon, including a local boy playing his first ODI at his home venue. More on that in a moment. Make it look easy with Sportsbet. Chances are you're about to lose. Well, we've just seen in the ad break that Man United have taken a 1-0 lead against Wolves in the English Premier League, which, Hammy, is a great end to your threesome that you gave us yesterday, but... I'm interested to know how did the rest of it go? The, the middle part of our threesome let us down, unfortunately. Mm. Uh, the Bucks, unfortunately, uh, <laughs> yeah. the party for us there. But uh, good start, good end to the threesome. So we'll focus on those. <laughs> what about the ODI coming up today? Australia v. the West Indies. SEN's got the coverage of that one. I'm looking forward to it. What are the markets telling us there? Well, look, Australia, a pretty short favourite here. Cobes dollar 12. West Indies is six bucks. Uh, but the player that I'm interested in is Matt Short, uh, BBL player of the tournament, second year in a row. Um, he's going to come in, play his first ODI on home soil, potentially settle into the middle order, I believe is the chat. $5.50 to be the top Aussie run scorer on his home ground. Uh, and he obviously provides a bit with bat and ball. So I wonder if $9 player of the match might be worth a look uh, for Matt Short as well uh, this afternoon. West Indies. Um, Shy Hope at $3.70 is their shortest price, top run scorer. And Alzari Joseph at four fifty is their uh, best backed uh, uh, top wicket taker as well. But I think Matt Short, for me, he's got the hot hand this summer. Um, so interested to see how he goes. Yeah, I think it's a great call, Hammy. He's been, not just this summer, player of the year, two years straight in the BBL. And I think we're looking at post-David Warner era. I think Matt Short is going to be in our national teams, at least in white ball cricket, probably test cricket in my opinion too, for the next 10 years. He's that good, I think, in my opinion. So uh, good call there. He's had some great news in the family, expecting a baby with partner Matty, uh, fiance, I believe. So it's all happening for Matty Short. Looking forward to that game. Uh, what about India v England, mate, in the test cricket? Well, despite losing the first test copes, uh, India dollar fifty favourites, and they've got a few injuries as well. Don't forget, Kaur Rahul, Jadeja comes out as well. Uh, England three dollars fifteen. So if they continue their form from the first game, maybe uh, pains me to say, but there might be a bit of value for them. Uh, man of the match. I mean, there's there's some guys at some decent prices here. Ollie Pope, of course, got the job done in the first game, thirteen bucks. Tom Hartley was pretty good as well uh, at fifteen. A little bit of a smoky, I wonder, for India might be Washington Sundar. Uh, I can't remember him ever coming in to a test match and not impacting a game. Uh, it, it looks like he's going to get the nod in place of Jadeja. $17, Washington Sundar, player of the match, could be uh, worth a look there as well. Monty Panesar, pretty vocal this week as well. Uh, he thinks that England win this series 5-0 now, so they've won the first one. So if you like oh, good on you, Monty. Uh, England, England 5-0, $81. It was 151 at the start of the series, but uh, still a big price there, 81 bucks for the sweep for England as well. 
And do you have any good news for the Socceroos v South Korea and the Asian Cup? Well, MC, the market suggests we've got our work cut out for us. 2.25 to progress the next round. Uh, South Korea are $1.57. I'm looking at a couple of Socceroos anytime goal scorers. Um, obviously, uh, Boyle and Irvine have both scored two for the tournament. So Boyle will get you four bucks and Irvine $5.50. So fingers crossed. One, if not both of those blokes can, can score and the Socceroos can keep keep their run going in the Asian Cup. I always like, uh, particularly Boyle, who's in charge on the spot uh, when you're looking at any-time goal scorers. He scored from the penalty spot earlier in the tournament. So, like that one, Hammy. What do you got on today? Big day ahead at Sportsbet? Yeah, big day, big day. Uh, I've got a one-on-one with my manager, so look, wish me luck. <laughs> next week. Uh, it's been a pleasure. But, um, yeah, a, a good, good end to the week and... Uh, just getting a few things in order um, so I can enjoy the weekend. Off to the cricket on Sunday, Cope, so might see you down there. Yes, you will. I'll be there with SEN. We're covering the whole ODI series. Uh, it should be good fun. Australia versus the West Indies kicking off today, that ODI. Thanks, Sammy. Have a great day. Have a great weekend, boys. Chat next week. Make it look easy with Sportsbet. Chances are you're about to lose. For free and confidential support, visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. Yeah, thanks, Vanessa. Summer Brecky here on SEN is powered by Kubota. For over 40 years, we've been making tomorrow matter, shaping and building Australia together. It's Trent Copeland and Michael Karianis with you this morning. If you're just waking up, here's some of what's making news. As you just heard there with Vanessa, Formula One superstar Lewis Hamilton has sensationally switched to Ferrari from 2025, leaving Mercedes. This is big news in the world of sport. We spoke to Matty White about that straight out of 7 o'clock. If you missed it, catch it up with the podcast. The other news that we've been talking about, Aussie golfer Lucas Herbert has joined Live Golf. He's the latest to kick over there for the cash, no doubt. 2024 season is about to get underway. Here's Lucas talking about joining the Australian-led Ripper franchise, which is captained by Aussie Cameron Smith. Hey guys, Lucas Herbert here. Some of you might know me as the worst kept secret in the Ripper GC rumours. Great to finally be announced as an official part of Ripper GC. I cannot wait to start this season here in Mexico. Really looking forward to Adelaide in April. Can't wait to see you all out here at a few events. So big news in the world of golf. We had Rory McIlroy talking about the Live Golf PGA Tour relationship yesterday and potentially softening his stance. So it's all happening ahead of the 2024 season in golf. Uh, Investigations continuing into how some Australian soccer players had their passport, contract, and other personal information leaked in a cybersecurity incident. And yesterday on Joel and Fletch, this was a fascinating interview, uh, MC. And Shane Flanagan, he's coming into a new role, talking about lots in the spectrum of the NRL, but particularly at the Dragons, the signings, and some of the players that, He's seen from afar, but he's now going to delve into as the head coach mm. to try and bring out the best in them. Uh, we've had plenty of people texting in this morning about how good the interview was yesterday and what our thoughts were on it. Let's take a listen to Flano yesterday with Joel and Fletch talking about working with Tyrell Sloan. Oh, Sloan's uh, a fullback yep. down and out. He that's his best position. Uh, he's so fast and you know out the back of shape. Um, you know, there's not too many players. You know, you got the Reese Walsh. I'm not saying he's in that category, but he'd be up there with speed. You know, when he gets a ball in his hands. He can just beat that third or fourth member uh, defender coming across. If he gets one on one with the back row, you good luck there mm-hmm. trying to stop him. You know, and that's what they're trying to do with, you know, Reese Walsh and these blokes out the back of shape. So. Um, 
you know, he's got some um, areas to work on defensively, but he's you know done a really good job. He broke his thumb pre in the um, uh, Indigenous game, so he sort of put us back a little bit. But he's worked really hard defensively. He knows what his weaknesses are and where we've addressed them. Um, you know, we address them every training session at some point, and I think he's bought into it. Um, he's not a off kid and he's not doesn't like contact so we just got to get him to be good at it now so he's not shying away from it he's just never good at it he's always come through his junior footy being this attacking player that you know let him score one funo i'm going to score two type mm. of attitude um and but doesn't work in the nrl so we're just got to change his at, um, attitude to towards defense and um he's not shying away from it. he's doing a good job and so hopefully we see some real improvement in that area and if we do we're going to have a really good fullback for a long period of time yeah, really good chat with Joel and Fletch there <coughs> yesterday. <laughs> oh, it's been a long week, Copes. Yeah, really good chat with Flano and, and Joel and Fletch yesterday. And he, Flano's right. Yeah. Sloan is, and I think that's why I had him and uh, we spoke about him earlier this week in terms of players under pressure because he's so gifted. And you just, you've seen him with the ball and you go, there's so many points in him. But it's mm. off the ball where, where the issue has been. And that's what, um, Shane Flanagan has really worked on with him this offseason. And for mine, like, I don't have high hopes for the Dragons this year, right? I'm going to judge their season in part on the improvement of Sloan. Yep. Right? If Shane Flanagan can get him to become, in, uh, you know, one of the top half a dozen fullbacks in the game, and it hasn't equated to wins and losses yet, well, it will happen. And, mm. I, you know, so if that happens, then you go, okay, you can see some upside to this dragon side. You can see, okay, they're moving in the right way. I might give them a pass mark, regardless of where they finish on the ladder. Yep. And, and and the other one is Zach Lomax as well. These guys who have shown glimpses of being really good players haven't found any consistency, but on their day, they can be elite. So my take on the dragons in 2024 is, no, I don't think they're going to play finals footy. But if they can find a way to unlock these sort of players, find some points, toughen up Tyrell Sloan, and they become those consistent players, then you could say the Dragons are tracking uh, better than they have been for the last decade. And, you know, the Dragons fans haven't had any hope, but if they can see something in these guys, then it'll be good. Interestingly, it'll start today for a lot of them because um, they spent a week in the Central Coast and and this week in a camp. They have a scrimmage against Manly later today. Um, Not a full-blown trial game, more of an intense opposed session so they can run their plays and the like against clubs rather than playing against themselves where they all know the calls and whatever. They'll do it against a a rival club in in simulating a game. They did it last year when Shane Flanagan was a coach at, uh, assistant coach at Manly. Um, So they're going to do it again today. We'll bring you more from that interview a little later um, from Joel and Fletch yesterday. Shane Flanagan speaking on the Dragons' hopes this year. In the EPL this morning, Man United have just gone up 2-0 against the Wolves in the 25th minute. They're... uh, the second match of the morning, Bournemouth 1-0 up against West Ham. The other match that kicked off a little earlier in the 50th minute. So plenty of EPL action going on this morning and there is so much more. Have your say on the open line this morning, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Pick up the phone and give us a buzz. We've got lines open right now. We'll get to all of your feedback on the day stories in just a moment. 
SEN Summer Brecky, Trent Copeland and Michael Karianis with you today on your Friday. It's almost the weekend. A reminder that SEN will have full coverage of the first ODI this afternoon between Australia and the West Indies at 2pm Sydney time or 2pm Melbourne time. The commentary team will be headed by Adam White, Damian Fleming, Darren Berry and John Donohoe. Can't wait for that game. We've been talking about Matty Short bursting onto the stage. It's a new look Australian team. A lot of the big dogs are having a bit of a rest for five or six days. Looking forward to that one getting underway today. SEN will have the full coverage. Breakfast is powered by Kubota. For over 40 years, we've been making tomorrow matter, shaping and building Australia together. A couple of texts and then we'll get to Simon Orchard. Yeah, Copes. FP says, imagine if the Roosters sold their tickets for $87. Their gate takings would be a grand total of 348000 You're actually giving that laugh too. (laughs) No, I'm not. Not bad. Not bad. It's a bit deeper. It's a bit deeper today. Um, that that Maddie White knows his stuff. SEN should sign him up from Pedro. (laughs) Uh, You can listen to Maddie after nine. Yeah, uh, Maddie coming out at nine o'clock. He was with us breaking the. Well, we broke the story about Lewis Hamilton joining Mm. Ferrari. Massive news in the world of sport, but. I brought it up. MC gave me absolute donuts. So we had to give a, another co-host a shot. <laughs> so Matty White came in and gave us all of his expertise. Speaking of expertise, every Friday we speak with Australian Olympian Simon Orchard from the dogs.com.au, the home of everything greyhound racing in New South Wales. Orch, good morning to you. How are you? Yeah, morning, boys. Going fantastic and looking forward to a beautiful Friday up here in the Hunter Valley. Sun's shining. Can't wait to get into a big weekend of uh, greyhound racing, guys. Well, before we get into that, we've been tackling some big issues this morning. Big, (laughs) big issues. Uh, We had a story from the papers today that uh, it's uproar, really, about bosses contacting you Mm. after hours. Now, what are your... (laughs) premises that you live by if if you get an email or a phone call after hours are you get are you turning around to your significant other and saying what is this or are you happy with it oh boys in the greyhound game much like a lot of the racing papers it's all systems go pretty much all of the time uh for anyone who's been around dogs or horses in their life they know that uh, work begins very early i've had a couple of phone calls to trainers when i've been out visiting their properties uh asking what time i should arrive and they say 4 a.m and that's fine by me our last race tonight just as an example is 10:43 p.m uh, at wentworth park and i've actually had one or two moments in the last couple of years boys where i've been down at the pub watching the races uh, in the tab section, uh, and then all of a sudden a, a track record goes down and I have to hightail it back to the house to try and get some work done for the dog. So uh, pretty much if my phone is on, which it always is, I'm ready to work and ready to get into it. It's just part of the sacrifice of being part of the great game of greyhound racing. I've followed a few stories from the pubs. <laughs> sometimes, you, 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 you know, it's not during work, but sometimes things just happen and you just got to whip out your phone. and Inverted say, commas, it's, working from home. Well, no, no, no it's, not, it's not midday copes. You it'd be like, stipulate a time. It'd be like 8 said... o'clock, I'm out for dinner, whatever the case may be, and I've got a tip or something's happened and you just got to <laughs> whack out the phone. Yeah, fair call. And the yarn but... only gets better in the pub, MC. You can only grow legs. Yeah, yeah, hopefully it's hopefully the sub editors are doing their job though, and it's all okay. <laughs> exactly right. Hey, uh, Orch, I'm interested in one other story before we kick into the greyhounds. One close to your heart, the hockey ruse and and sponsorship. Tell us a story and, and your thoughts. 
Yeah, boys, interesting one popped up this week. Uh, one of the male players, Andrew Charter, he put up a post on one of his socials saying that the the team, for the first time in his 14-year existence uh, in it, didn't have a sponsor on the front of the jersey. So this is the Australian men's team, uh, the Cookers. Oh, and, the Cookerboroughs, well, that's sorry. Sort of, that's, sort of, that's all right. That sort of traces back to my time in the program where we first got our first sponsor. I think it was in India. We arrived over there and uh, we didn't have a shirt sponsor. We ended up getting someone um, at the last minute. It ended up being a whiskey company who was moonlighting as a CD company because it was actually illegal at the time. So it said Imperial Blue CDs, but it was a whiskey company on the front of our World Cup jersey back in 2010. Uh, But look, it's an interesting one. A lot of people... I guess, jumping up and down and saying, well, you know, this is a travesty, one of the most successful Australian sporting teams in history. If you go back to Tokyo, I think the Kookaburra's gold medal finals in the top 10 events watched. It was one of the only ones outside of your swimming and your athletics. But the flip side of the coin, boys, and of course, I'm not um, saying they shouldn't have a sponsor, is the Olympics is such a heavily protected species. Anyone who's watched it, coach, you've worked in it, uh, MC, I'm sure you either will or you'll get over there eventually, but you can't have any sponsorship on the front. It's basically just the coat of arms and then a blank Australian gold, green, white jersey, whatever it might be. So for any corporate or commercial partners out there wanting to get involved, you can point to the ratings uh, from the Tokyo Olympics, but that doesn't matter because they're not going to see your shirt sponsor uh, front and centre once we get to Paris in a couple of months. So it's a difficult one. Australian hockey probably shrinking a little bit in the last decade at least. Uh, We just don't have the domestic competition like your NRLs and your AFLs to see these uh, players and heroes going around each and every week. So the Pro League actually starts in about a week or so, but a lot of people out there probably wouldn't even know that existed. So that just goes to show you that, I'm not going to say dire circumstances, but we certainly would love some more support in the hockey world. And I think at the moment it's important to look at both sides of the coin. Commercial interest largely comes from people who are philanthropic or want to throw their support behind a sport that they love. So uh, if there's anyone out there listening, jump on board because I know they'll take your call. Yep, sounds good, man. Just on greyhounds, there's thousands of retired Australian greyhounds which have new homes in the US. Can you explain that to us? Yeah, this has been a landmark agreement between Greyhound Racing New South Wales and, of course, agencies. It's called the Aussie Mates in the States program. It began just over a year ago now, and already we've sent 500 greyhounds to the US. And, look, I I guess it's important to say that uh, a big cohort of GRNSW staff went over there last year to try and uh, do all the checks and balances and tick the boxes off and make sure that everything was above board. And, of course, uh, it's been an issue, boys. I'm not going to lie, for our sport in the last couple of years in particular, breeding has dried up because uh, owners, participants, trainers are struggling to, to rehome their dogs post-racing careers. So it's been a big point of emphasis the emphasis for us. We've just ticked over the 500 dogs in the US, and they're going everywhere, boys. Uh, Edmonton, Vancouver, Phoenix, Salt Lake City, Wisconsin, Tampa Bay, all over the States, people are craving greyhounds. Now, you, the US market used to have a lot of racing over there, but that's dried up in the last couple of years. So they still love the dogs. And honestly, I say this genuinely, boys, you will not meet a better pet. They are uh, so affectionate. They're so loving and caring. Uh, if you're not a walker, they don't like a lot of exercise. So they just lay around on the lounge or um, uh, around the kids and the family. They're really good with with families as well. And I guess the big part of this for us is we want to give these dogs forever homes and, and new best mates. So the US has been a really good... And for that, we're hoping to send another 1,000 over in the next 12 months. Uh, and a lot of them are being used as PTSD companion animals for police officers and retired veterans as well, boys. So it's a really good yarn and hopefully it can continue long into the future. Great call. Great call. I've got 15 seconds for you to give us one tip. What's your tip for the weekend? 
Goulburn race five, number three, and Wentworth Park race six, number two. The two best bets going around the state today, boys. Best bets. You are all over it. Simon Orchard, former Kookaburra, telling us all the stories, all your opinions. Love it. Thanks to dogs.com.au, the home of everything greyhound racing in New South Wales. Have a great day, mate. Hooroo, fellas. Stay with us. Michael's chosen his Vossioki this morning. It's going to be a popular one after One Direction yesterday. You chose that as well. Make sure you stay tuned. Shane Watson, our special guest, straight out of the 8am news. Brecky's powered by Kubota. For over 40 years, we've been making tomorrow matter, shaping and building Australia together. SEN Summer Brecky here, Trent Copeland and Michael Carianis with you on your Friday morning. It's just gone 8 o'clock in Sydney. It's going to be a beautiful day today. Hot and sunny, particularly out in the west, up to 32 degrees in Penrith. Now, we've been talking all morning, big stories in the world of sport. Shock in the F1 world this morning. Lewis Hamilton set to leave Mercedes. It has been confirmed that he's signed a multi-year contract from 2025 with Ferrari. So big news there with Lewis Hamilton in the Formula One world. And in the English Premier League, we mentioned there's two games on this morning. In the 77th minute, it's one all, West Ham and Bournemouth. And Manchester United, 2-0 up at, it's just about to go half-time in that match against Wolves. So two games going on at the moment in the English Premier League. We've had lots of texts coming in this morning, MC, uh, particularly talking about the NRL. And we've had several questions about Shane Flanagan and the interview with Joel and Fletch on the run home yesterday on SEN. We, we played a, a little clip about that, uh, particularly talking about Torrell Sloan earlier. But let's go to another one that people have been talking about this morning, and it's Kyle Flanagan. And now he's going to fit in with Ben Hunt. Yeah, he's going good. Um, he's put on a bit of size, so which is he's up around trying to push him to about 90 kilos. If he can get there, he's about 87, 88 at the moment. Um, I think he's been worked really well with Ben Hunt, um, you know, taking a lot of pressure off. The halves that Ben's played with have been sort of younger blokes that have been a bit more instinctive and haven't had, um, you know, their quality hasn't been um, organisation, where Kyle's probably biggest strength is organisation, and he, he takes that off. Um, ben doesn't have to get the ball all the time now. I think in previous years, you know, especially, say, like on last plays, like your year, if I'm – coaching against the Dragons, I'd just say, where's Ben Hunt? Because yeah, yeah. that's where it's probably going to go to. Well, now it's not going to be that. And uh, we've got a bit more uh, take the pressure off Ben that he's not the key, you know, organiser, uh, last play specialist, uh, the person that's got to make the break, set up the plays. You can just go and do your job, Ben. And Kyle's taking a lot of pressure off him. So I think it's good, been good for Ben and, and definitely good for Kyle. Um, we brought him in as a utility, you know, that 14. I think he'll transition into nine over mm. a period of time. But, you know, since what happened with uh, young, like young Amone, we're going to have to kick that down the road a little bit and he'll just have to uh, do his job, which he's quite happy to do and I'm quite happy for him to do it at six. Yeah, interesting take there from Shane Flanagan because, um, as he mentioned, he was going to play number nine. That, that was the plan, to play nine fourteen. Had some... Look good, actually, in reserve grade and and spent a little bit of time there at the back end of his time at Canterbury last season um, playing number nine. And I think that's probably where his game's suited to, Kyle. But Shane's right. He, Kyle's greatest – Kyle's got an amazing understanding of footy. If you speak to him and, and he knows what to do, it's just a matter of doing it. Right, that's that's mm. going to be the test for Kyle. He's got a, a a great temperament on him, and can in you know he he grew up as a seven, right? So and he grew up as 
the playmaker in, in most of his side. So he can direct the side around. And, and he's completely different to Amon. He's completely different to Jaden Sullivan, Corey Norman, these sort of players that Ben Hunt has spent a lot of time playing alongside at the Dragons. So um, from that sense, it will be a different role for, for Ben Hunt. Um, whether or not Kyle can show that he's a consistent NRL player, that's still the question. Um, at, at number seven, he's had a few chances at the at the Roosters and the Bulldogs and fell out of favour at those clubs. So um, he'll get a chance to, to start in that number six jersey and really, there's no one else there. Yeah, no one else. There's a text that's come in on the Edgewater Homes text line, 0457 736 736 from the Menai Dragon. Hi, Trent and Michael. Listen to Flano yesterday on the SEN Sydney Drive Home Show with Joel and Fletch. He mentioned Jack Bird will be playing right centre and Kyle Flanagan at 5'8". Sloan is down at fullback, Flano said. Michael, what do you think will be the start and starting Sorry, Dragons backline 1-7 to seven in the NRL this season? I think it will, off the top of my head, will be Sloan at fullback, um, Ravawala and Zach Lomax on the wings, Suli Bird in the centres, Flanagan, Hunt. It's a, it's a team that, you know, on their day with that back line, and, and particularly if their forwards, you know, have momentum in the game, it, it is a back line that you would be worried about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if um, the halves can get them some, some good ball and the forwards have, like, their, their issue is their forward pack. Yeah. There's not a lot going on there. But their, their back line is, is uh, quite potent. Jack Bird back in the centres, that's where Kyle, uh, Shane Flanagan coached him at Cronulla, which was a long time ago now for, for Jack Bird. But... Um, yeah, it's an interesting shift for Zach Lomax because uh, Shane Flanagan has intimated the fact that he might interchange Sloan and Lomax at times. I think that's why Lomax may start on the wing and have a bit of a, a roaming role and on the ball a little bit more on both sides of the field. That's why he's not going to be pigeonholed as a winger Yeah, if, that, if that's where he's picked. Thanks for the text, the Menai Dragon. There's lots to talk about when it comes to... Well, Shane Flanagan's interview was brilliant yesterday. There's lots to talk about in the scope of NRL. But time now to focus on cricket and ex-legend of the game in Shane Watson and his new book, The Winner's Mindset, using scientific methodology and his own in-game experiences. Watto reveals the mental skills you need to eliminate stress and anxiety. Watto is on the line right now. Shane Watson, good morning to you. How are you? I'm great. Good morning, guys. How are you? Yeah, we're going well, mate. It, this is exciting, hey? You, you, following on from your first book, which was Winning the Inner Battle, which I've read myself. I've certainly experienced and seen you passing on your wisdom to young players, particularly New South Wales cricket in recent times. Talk to us just about the whole landscape of writing books and what you're finding uh, and why you're so excited to do it. Yeah, well, I, I just know how incredibly important this information is and it and certainly was for me i only got educated on this information at 34 which was um yeah a little way into my a long way into my playing career yeah. and i just know how critically important the understanding um of really simple mental skills and the earlier we develop these mental skills then the more equipped we are to be able to perform at our best more consistently so we don't get in our own way from a from a mental perspective um, but then with it, which is even more important and powerful, is reducing the stress and anxiety and worry around performances and when when things don't go exactly to plan. Um, so that's the reason why I got into writing a book. Well, yes, my first book, uh, Winning in a Battle, uh, myself published, and now I feel very lucky and very fortunate to be 
to have partnered with HarperCollins to be able to publish this new edition, which has got some like case studies of ten legends in the um, in the final chapter, just to be able to add a bit more context to to the information. But I feel very fortunate HarperCollins have, have partnered partnered with me to be able to get the word out and distribute this, um, then you know, have have a much better reach. Well, was there a moment in your career, Shane, before that, that you realised, I need to seek some external help here? Well, there, there certainly was one um, tragic event that no um, cricketer ever want, wanted to be a part of at all, the tragic event of um, a Phil Hughes passing away. And I know it affected all cricketers in, in different ways, for sure. And that was really, for me, the, the catalyst of my sort of mental my mental game and my performance is really starting to to spiral to a point where I was on the I was, I was on the brink of retiring because I just felt like I'd lost my skill um, so that's where where I was at um, and then a chance of meeting with uh, Aussie IndyCar champion um, Will Power um, who I was fortunate enough to meet at the Daly M's he had been going through a similar thing in his in his sport so he connected me to someone he'd been working with who's got 40 over 40 odd years experience of dealing with high performance people and um and from the first half an hour chat that i had with dr jacques delaire things were i knew things were going to be different but i'd be able to turn things around and i tried i had nothing to lose i flew over to to charlotte north carolina to be able to um, learn this information and the two days that i had with um with dr jacques delaire just i knew i could turn things around immediately with these new these simple to understand mental skills that i could apply um, and then I had some of my best performances over the next four or five years. So I feel very fortunate to have been educated on this now by by Jacques Delaire, put it in put it in practice, and now have access to to teaching this information as well. So that's you know, a huge part of the reason why I've released the book. What were some of those things that you, you learned? Two days you said changed the rest of your your career. What what were some of those things that you, you learned and were able to implement? Yeah. So one of the uh, probably yeah, one of the most important ones was just a simple understanding around the human mind that you can only process one thought at a time. And what I was doing, and because the fear of fear of the cricket ball had come into my into my game in a, in a huge way, I was allowing space as the ball was about to be bowled, and then the the short ball that that thought would come into my mind as the ball came out, uh, which is the wrong thought to have as a batter because you're out of position. Um, so by understanding your mind can only process one thought at a time, then it means that if I put the right thought into my mind at the right time, then the wrong thought can't come in. So straight away, I was like, I can, I can do that. If I get the timing right, or when I put, so my word that I put into my mind as the ball came out was aggressive. That meant that I was ready to react quickly. If I put that in the right time as the ball's coming out, then the wrong thing, short ball or anything else, couldn't come into my mind. So that straight away just over was overriding any any bad thoughts, the wrong thoughts that would that would come in, and straight away that immediately turned turned things around. So that was one thing. The other thing that really stood out to me the most is just around one of the the probably the most important function of the conscious mind, which is the which is that you are in control of your conscious mind. So the mind chatter, that internal dialogue that's going on in all humans every single day, that internal dialogue is a is a conscious mind function, which means we are in control of that if we want to take control. I was horrific at taking control. I didn't. I just let my environment around me day-to-day dictate how I thought instead of understanding that you can, if you really want to take control, you can just catch it and redirect it to something else, put your mind on neutral, whatever your different techniques are. So then, especially in a performance space, 
you are only putting the right things into your mind, so then you're not sabotaging your own performance because of the doubts or the, the different, the negative thoughts that do that can come in. So that two things that really stood out to me. There's a number of other things, but those are the two things straight away that the things that you are actually in control of, and I was able to turn things around straight away. Well, it's so relatable. I mean, every, I think everyone can relate to, you know, when you're going for a run and you've got the noise in your head saying, oh, you, you're no good, stop, come on, your back's sore. Everyone's got that. But one of the real topical things that I've seen in recent times, and I'm sure you've seen it too, is when players at the elite level, in test cricket in particular, I'm thinking Travis Head and Mitchell Marsh, have had the, the downs in their career trying to potentially be something they're expected to be or play a way that test cricketers are expected to play as opposed to how they've played at the lower levels. Then they come back and play with this freedom of mind. that They're going out and playing with intent, playing with freedom and playing on instinct. It's no different to the premises that you're talking about right now. It's, it's clearing the mind and being in control of your thoughts, right? Oh, that's exactly right. Copes, yeah, spot on, and that's and that's the beauty of seeing two two of those guys in particular. And Us- Usman Khawaja was a, is another one for me over the last yeah. couple of years. Yeah. Who you can see the way his mindset has shifted, and he's and they're all playing like they've got nothing to lose, and and that is one of the most important mindsets that we're all trying to chase is a nothing to lose, which means that you're tapping in, you're really tapping into that that deep skill that's so deeply ingrained in in us. And that's cricket, but that's all different aspects of people who are experts in what they do and learning to be experts in what they do. You want to be able to access all that that knowledge or skill that's deeply ingrained in you. Whereas when you've got the don't get out, don't make a mistake, don't stuff up, that's when you're suffocating your any access to that to those real skills that are so so deeply ingrained. So um, when you see Mitch Marsh and Travis Head over the last probably well Mitch Marsh in the last eighteen months. Uh, same with Travis Head, the freedom that I've been allowed to have as well, which is which is absolutely always the right thing to do. Then then their natural skill comes out, which is as good as anything in the world. And that's the environment that you're trying to create in any team environment, uh, whether that's at schools, whether that's in in business, whether that's in sporting teams. You want to be able to create that environment where everyone can feel have that mindset where they do have nothing to lose. You, there's a fine line between being reckless and just going over the top. And being being um, fearless, but it's that fine line when you're on that on the edge of that is when you see and when you do have your best performances. Just on the the most recent Test series, your, your Sutherland former Sutherland teammate Steve Smith has interchanged back up to the top of the order. Did you like that move? And do you think he's got a style of uh, of play to to be the long term opening answer for for Australia? Yeah, I I certainly do um, did like the move for for sure. I could see over the last probably twelve to eighteen months, you'd see just even in Steve Smith's body language as he's going out to bat, batting behind Marnus, you could see that he just didn't have that intensity that I always saw when he was at his very very best, which was for a long time. Um, and it seemed for me from a from afar that he just needed another another challenge and getting him up the order like to open would certainly be one of those. He's absolutely got the, the got the game and skill um, to be able to handle a brand new ball like he did when he was batting at number three. So it was always just going to take him a couple of innings or 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 yeah a few test matches to be to be able to really just understand what his game plan is. Just matter manufacture as he does. Just make little adjustments on the go to to be able to just be as good as he possibly can as an opener. But Look, I think this extra stimulation and extra challenge for Steve Smith 
at this stage of his career is something that will give him and also Australia some more longevity for sure with him because this extra challenge is going to keep him keep him really fired up and fully engaged for hopefully quite a while. Watto, just quickly before we let you go, what, what else are you up to these days for people that maybe haven't been tuned in? I know you're doing some coaching as well as writing books, but what else are you up to? Yeah, so um, I've got a few um, coaching opportunities, head coaching opportunities um, overseas. So I'm heading off in about uh, five or six days to go to Pakistan to coach in the Pakistan Super League. For one of the teams that I played for, Quetta Gladiators, um, I'm going to be doing some commentary during the IPL over over in India and then um, another head coaching role with the San Francisco Unicorns in the Major League Cricket, which is an exciting um, challenge as well. So the coaching I absolutely love and a big the core of everything I do as a coach is all around these mental skills. But yeah. the commentary is, is a lot of fun as well. Um, yeah, mixing it with some of the greats of the um, broadcasting space is a, is a lot of fun as well. So, um, And then most importantly, family time in between all this as well because that's, that is you know, the most important thing for me. So just balancing it all out as much as I can. But I feel very fortunate to be still you know, being involved in the, in the game that I love so much in various ways. Mate, you're an absolute legend of the game of cricket, but you're also giving back in many ways and, and trying to help that next generation through coaching. But also your new book, The Winner's Mindset, I'm reading the foreword at the moment by Ricky Ponting, Train Your Skills, Train Your Body. Now it's time to train your mind. This book will teach you everything you need to know to unlock your full mental potential. Love your work, Watto. Thanks for joining us this morning and hope it goes really well. No, I really appreciate it. Great to chat. Thanks, guys. Welcome back to SEN Summer Brekkie. Trent Copeland and Michael Carianis with you this morning. The boys will be back. Vossi and Brandy will be back February 12th, Monday, February the 12th, Super Bowl Monday. The boys will be back in the chairs. And a reminder that SEN will have full coverage of the first ODI this afternoon between Australia and the West Indies from 2 p.m. The commentary team there, headed by Adam White, Damien Fleming, Darren Berry and John Donohoe. I can't wait for that game. Uh, just you know, talk about whether ODIs matter, where they are in context. I just really love seeing elite level cricket as well at the MCG. For some people that haven't seen a lot of these names in, in the Australian lineup, who, who are you looking forward to, to seeing, Copes? Well, particularly Matt Short, if you missed the, the chat before, um, we're, we're talking about the likelihood of success for the player of the BBL over the last two years at the national level, international level, I think when we're looking at David Warner replacements, Matt Short to me is A, the obvious choice, but B, someone that is not going to just come in and play. He's coming in to dominate. Mm. I think he's ready and will be a fixture in Australian teams. White ball in particular, but I think he's a test player in waiting as well um, in the future for the next 10 years. We've got Xavier Bartlett. Uh, I don't know whether he will play. Um, Jake Fraser-McGurk, who was obviously a, a, an amazing you know, sensation during the BBL for the mm. Melbourne Renegades. Uh, he's an exciting young batter. Don't know whether he'll play either. And then Will Sutherland yeah. uh, has come in. Victorian captain, young man, uh, all-rounder. But he, he's a bit unique with the ball too. He swings the ball into the right-hander, a bit like John Hastings used to do, um, who played a lot of ODI cricket for Australia. So some exciting, fresh faces um, we're going to see the likes of Sean Abbott. Nathan Ellis is missing the, the, this leg, but he'll come back into the T20s. Um, and, yeah, there's just you know, a lot of new names that people haven't necessarily yeah. seen too much, particularly in a World Cup year. We get to see the big names 
and they've obviously won that World Cup. But now's the next phase, heading into the Champions Trophy in 2025. So looking forward to that. Uh, Brecky is powered by Kubota for over 40 years. We've been making tomorrow matter, shaping and building Australia together. We've had some texts coming in this morning, 0457 736 736. If you're getting stuck into Watto about uh, the shirts of the World Cup, Dan said, what about what was doing with the shirts of the World Cup? The poor bloke got stitched up by Comcam, uh, looking straight through the buttons of his shirt. <laughs> Watto. Yeah, that's oh, never dear. a good angle for anyone. Uh, Rooster Ryan has texted in, said, Copes, you'd agree with me on this one. Going back to MC's question on salary cap relief on junior talent and development in the NRL, if this was to be approved the chooks, as in us, we'd be another $3 million under the salary cap, the sombrero. You're already $3 million under the cap, aren't you? <laughs> That's true. Well, yes. I mean, who are we signing next? That's what I'd like to talk about. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> We've got some more uh, audio to talk about. We've also got some more uh, of the preseason NRL coaches poll from the Daily Telegraph. The first edition landed today. The second will land tomorrow. So maybe out of the news, we'll hit uh, another couple of those topics that you asked. All of the NRL coaches, 15 at least of the NRL coaches and some of the assistant coaches as well. We'll see what they had to say. It's been very interesting hearing what they had to say, particularly on things like introducing um, salary cap discounts for signing rugby players, but even just what is the biggest issue mm. in the NRL. So fascinating stuff. We'll hit some more of that straight out of the news. Stay with us here on SEN Summer Brecky. Thanks, Vanessa. Brecky is powered by Kubota. For over 40 years, we've been making tomorrow matter, shaping and building Australia together. If you're just tuning in, there's been plenty we've been talking about this morning. If you missed out, we've delved into some of the big issues in the NRL, according to the coaches poll in the Daily Telegraph. We'll hit on a few of those uh, other topics we haven't discussed uh, in a few moments. Matty White on the bombshell that Lewis Hamilton, the news overnight was speculation he was going to leave Mercedes. We've had it confirmed this morning from Ferrari's account online that Lewis Hamilton has signed a multi-year contract starting in 2025. So Matty White came on to give us the full rundown on that one. Shane Watson joined us to talk about his new book, The Winner's Mindset, and talk about the cricket landscape more generally. And we've also been talking about should your boss be able to contact you after hours. That's all on the podcast. If you've missed anything this morning, search Breakfast with Bossy and Brandy on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's on the SEN app as well. Now, just before... We head to a break, MC. Let's hit into a few of the ones that we haven't discussed in that NRL preseason coaches poll. Yeah, a couple of that we haven't touched on yet, Copes, is around some of the ones that um, generate a bit of debate around for, for fans as well. Should the NRL introduce a trade window? And and this was pretty even. Um, yes, at the end of the season, 37%. Yes, middle of the season, 33%. No 30%. So no real great um, outlier there. So it, it's pretty pretty much split, which I think is the sense of a lot of people. The fans would love a transfer window at the end of the season, I'd say, if you had to ask them. Um, coaches, that's not ideal because they love to be planned and um, an understanding of, of what they've got long-term as well. And um, where do you sit on that? What's your ideal situation considering what we have now? Yeah. And what we've had in the past and 
what we could potentially have. So you're talking to one of the biggest American sports fans that there is, and I love the trade deadlines in both the NFL and the NBA and, and the drama that it brings mid-season, and particularly for teams that want, are wanting to go all in on winning, mm. um, but how you then utilize your asset base, so whether it's bad contracts and attaching draft picks, things like that, I love that part of it. And the reason why I think something needs to be done is the mechanism at the moment on how after November 1, players are signed, things like that, it just strikes me as it's a huge disruptor and it doesn't overly solve anything in terms of player movement. And all it does is bring speculation. Uh, will this player leave early? Will they backflip? And there are the mechanisms for that yeah. to happen. So, you know, I, I think the answer is it needs to happen in some form. But when it is, I, I'm not overly rigid on that. I actually don't mind the current system. Um, okay. I think because if you put it mid-year, so Jerome, take the Jerome Luai for example. Everyone knows he's going to the West Tigers now in, in 2025 and all that distraction doesn't play out during the season. It happened in January. So there's a bit of clean air now before a ball's kicked off and I don't think Jerome will speak about the, and he shouldn't speak about the West Tigers again until he becomes a West Tigers player. He, he made his announcement, he fronted up, which I thought was very important, and killed that story now. So that story's dead, right? If, if he's still off contract and hasn't re-signed with Penrith, we get to the midpoint of the year, what are we all talking about? You get to the after the season, what are we all still talking about? Where's Jerome Luay going? He hasn't re-signed with, re with Penrith. I think that creates more of a distraction. I think if you can sort your future out over summer when no one's playing for points, um, you know, we're not having the on-field action. There's not as much scrutiny on the game. I think it actually does your your current club a favour. Yeah, I don't mind that sentiment. For, but from a club point of view and the playing list point of view, it, it's still, it doesn't sit right with me that we've got players signing multiple years in advance or in this case a year in advance going to play for other clubs. Mm. It, it it just doesn't sit with me when you can have the mechanism for that to happen. If a decision, yeah, there'll be speculation, sure. But dealing with that pressure versus at the moment, your teammates looking left and right and the question around commitment levels, of course, Jerome Luai in this example seems to be fully committed. Yeah. But I don't think the story goes away. I it, think it does. I, I think I, as long as... He's performing okay. I don't think. I think. Yeah, but as soon as he doesn't perform, it's oh well. Is he focused here or is it elsewhere? You know, is he meeting with the Tigers when he should be? That, that's the thing that I think could be avoided through through this process. And look, I'm not saying there's a perfect answer either. Yeah, but I don't necessarily think that the way it is at the moment is the best because the story goes away. I think it's. I, I think there's a better solution on if a decision is made to go to another club. Just like in anything else, like if you're to take a job at the Sydney Morning Herald, you're not going to then continue writing for the Daily Telegraph for a year. Well, like, I'd, I'd, they'd make me, I'd, when I left the Herald, I was there for six weeks. To fulfill the rest of your yeah. current contract. Yeah. But it, it just doesn't sit all that well with me. Anyway, like it is what it is and we can talk about it till the cows come home, but it, there's many things within the sporting landscape that can be improved and that's why we should keep discussing it. And I think on the flip side as well, the hope that it's given the West Tigers. The West Tigers will watch Jerome Luai with, with some added um, attention and, and, and it might give them a, a little bit more hope, regardless of how the Tigers perform this year. So I don't actually mind it. The, the other one is, should player wages be made public? No, 87%. Yes, 
13%. Love, I'm going to get your thoughts on this. Yeah, we'll talk after the break. A reminder that Brighton's lawyers, your verdict is back. All you have to do is pick one NRL winner each week for the chance to win $2,500. Head to sensurvivor.com.au. It's all thanks to Brighton's lawyers. The last part of the show, it's all yours. The open line, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. 1170 We'll get straight to your calls and texts in just a moment. SEN Summer Brecky, Trent Copeland and Michael Karianis with you. We're here for Brighton's Lawyers. Unable to work due to injury or illness? Contact Brighton's Lawyers. A reminder, the Sydney Kings are back in action tonight playing in Adelaide against the 36ers. And they're back home this Sunday from 4pm at Kudos Bank Arena. Remember, you can catch all the Hungry Jacks NBL action live on ESPN. At the football desk, a couple of games of EPL this morning. Full time between West Ham and Bournemouth, one all. And live in the 70th minute, Manchester United 2-0 up against Wolves. The goal scorers there, Marcus Rashford in the fifth minute. And Hodgland, is that how you say that name? Rasmus Hodgland. Yep. Giving me the nod, yeah. 22nd minute. That was a great <laughs> new Rasmus. Signing, new signing this year. Uh, it's been prolific at other clubs. Good to see him scoring goals for Manchester United. So 2-0 there at the football desk. And news just through in the past few minutes. Adelaide United's Joe Gauci has just signed on with Aston Villa on a multi-year deal until 2028. That's massive yeah, news. That's huge. Adelaide United will receive a 1.5 million euro transfer fee under the deal, which is an A-League record transfer fee. Nice. Great news for one of our Aussie superstars. Hopefully now on the biggest stage of them all in Europe. We've been talking this morning, MC, about the Daily Telly's pre-season mm. NRL coaches poll. Uh, you've gone through a few of the topics this morning. There's going to be another edition that comes yep. out tomorrow. Um, but you were talking before the break about uh, player wages. Yeah. And the the full poll results from today are now online and in today's paper. We're just giving a sample of those. But I wanted to pick your brain on this one as a, um, firstly, as a former athlete and secondly, as a sports fan and, and, and in the media. Should player wages be made public? No, 87%. Yes, 13%. So quite resounding um, no there from the coaches. Yeah, there's a couple of different angles here where – you know, I mentioned earlier in the show my love for American sports, and there's a, you know, basically to the, to the cent amount of mm. a contract in the NBA, the NFL, uh, Major League Baseball, contract values, uh, and even fees paid to players are, you know, bonuses are all public knowledge. Yeah, but the, it, it is really authentic and it is just explicit. This is what it is. You need to fall under the hard cap, and this is how they're doing it, and it's. It brings about speculation and you know calls on poor performance and value for dollar to performance ratios, things like that. You know, Kevin Love, for for example, in the NBA over the last couple of years used used to be all NBA every year. Now it's you know is he the worst contract in the NBA? You know those sort of things. Yeah. So it's I mean you would speculate on these things and it's sort of rumored what people are earning, but no one really knows. The thing that it would alleviate in Australian sport, for example, Dan, you and I, the Roosters sombrero. Correct. The Correct. speculation around how are we fitting into the salary cap? <laughs> no doubt the boot is laid in, you know, a hundred million times a year. Yeah. If it's public knowledge, then that stuff goes away. But the reality here, it isn't going to happen. The NRLPA and the players' associations in particular across most sporting codes would never let it happen. Yeah. What, never. What would it be like in a dressing shed? 
Cobes, if you're, you're in the New South Wales state set up and you're looking over and you go, this guy's on this much, what's doing? Uh, I think, I mean, it's loosely part of the discussion, you know, in giving each other stick terms already, you yeah. know, on speculation when someone signs a new three-year deal and, you know, it's big cash for the, the Sydney Thunder, for yep. example. Um, or if someone gets an IPL deal, that's where it is public knowledge. Yeah. You know, you, the auction numbers are public. And but that's, that's a little bit different though, because that's a bit of banter amongst your mates, right? Because half of them are over there in the IPL, half of them aren't. And you're saying, wait, you've just got a million dollar contract. How good? Your shout. You come on million dollar boy. What, that's yeah. friendly banter, right? But if you're in a season long shield campaign and you're looking and you go, oh mate, hasn't taken a wicket for three games. See, I don't look at it that way. I think, uh, particularly in cricket, a contract value is to get you into that environment mm. to allow you to succeed. Yep. There is an expectation of performance, but the reality of professional sport is that no one's going to be at their best all the time. Mm. And a contract dollar amount doesn't dictate success. Yep. It's paid for an opportunity to have that player to play well and to bring success, but... I just view that very differently. And that's different to most public perceptions yeah. of what a contract is about. So tell us what you think. 0457 736 736. Should contract values be public? It's an interesting question. I don't think they should. No. And I'm, I'm quite comfortable with the... I don't think it's anybody's right to know really how much everyone earns and, and the like. Like we can speculate and we do every day. Obviously, yeah. we speculate every day because... <laughs> Um, people do do want to know and have an understanding. And there do, does come that question of bang for your buck and what value you get in. And, and I, I think most of the time we're pretty much on the money. We, you know, you know, market value, you speak to agents, you speak to clubs, you know, recruitment officers, head of football, CEOs, you get to know roughly what players are, are, are worth and what clubs should be paying. And mate, if a, if a player leaves a club, you don't think they're telling us what they just got offered elsewhere? Yeah, exactly right. Uh, so it does come up in conversation, but whether it's an exact science is unknown, uh, much like it is in the States. Uh, there's been plenty of texts coming in this morning. This one from Spicy Balls. Uh, nice name. Hey, Flanagan said on Joel and Fletch on the run home yesterday about the downtown rule, how they will police it and make a call for a penalty on that. It, I feel like it will make for some controversy. Great show, boys. Yeah, I'm I'm not exactly sure what the reference is here. I know what downtown is, is obviously if you're in front of the play of the ball and you kick the ball uh, and the player kicks the ball, you can't get involved in the play. Yep. Because um, you're technically offside if you're in front of the play of the ball while you've got the ball. So, yeah, I'm not exactly sure have the, if the interpretations change or the, the coaches have been told, but I, I can find that out for next week. Very good. You always have homework. You do often come in and deliver on that. So uh, tune into the show next week. I know you'll be on with the missile next week, which mm. will be good. Good listening. Uh, this one, Steve from Norellan. Hey, boys, anything to that? Lomax hasn't received any plans from Flano on the drive program yesterday. Flano was saying that Bird will play at right center and Sloan at fullback. So where does that leave Lomax? I think on the wing, he, uh, judging by what's going on here. But he won't be a traditional winger. He'll be roaming, I'd say. Zach Lomax, I've spoken with Shane Flanagan about Zach Lomax, and he really wants to obviously unlock him, and there's some subtle changes. He, he, he was critical of the way um, an observation from the outside in was that Zach Lomax always received the ball flat-footed, and he's got such great footwork, but he had too much of a reliance on that. So if he, if he can get it, it sounds simplistic, right? But that little change will happen. Um, 
in, in his game where we see him getting on, on you know, running onto the ball and, and taking advantage of his, of his skills and um, his steps. Uh, one of the other things we've been talking about, Dylan Brown on Nine News last night, so it's still in NRL terms, declaring that it's time to grow up. Let's have a listen. Yeah, it's like grow up a little bit, you know what I mean? So um, it's took me long enough, but um, I'm here and make mistakes and we've moved on from that. I think it was a big wake-up call. It was embarrassing last year and um, the whole team, we didn't make the top eight and like that was, we knew that wasn't us. We wanted to make top four and um, we knew we let a lot of people down, ourselves down, so. But you've got to move on from things and just stay positive and that's what we're doing this year, so yeah, we're ready. I think probably that's the one thing you touched on is being young. I think it's ignoring that, you know, playing and to getting out of my shell, playing the footy I know I can play. And last year I was consistently inconsistent, so. Um, to get away from that would be good and um, just play good footy each week. Can't argue with what he said. Um, consistently inconsistent last year, Dylan Brown, much like the Parramatta Eels were. And, um, you know, he's, there's a lot of expectation on him now. He's not so young anymore as an experienced player. Led the Kiwis to that win against the Kangaroos last year and was sensational at that back end. So Dylan Brown, yeah, big year for him. Absolutely. He's one of your players under pressure as well. We're here for Brighton's lawyers. Unable to work due to injury or illness, contact Brighton's lawyers. We've still got a Signet Boost power bank to give away and Matty White not too far away. It's SEN Summer Brecky here. Trent Copeland and Michael Karianis with you on your Friday morning, a little before nine o'clock. Thanks for all of your contributions today. Andrew wins the Signet Boost power bank today bringing us earlier in the show to discuss NRL ticket prices. A Signet Boost power bank will keep your phone, tablet and earbuds powered 24-7. Quick update, Dirty Flamingo has texted in and said, anyone in front of the kicker can't advance until the kicker puts them on side. A clarity for that rule, which nice. I think is a good call. That's the way it used to be, back yeah, the, in my day. <laughs> back in your day. Uh, Man United, 3-1 in the 83rd minute uh, in the English Premier League at Molyneux Stadium. Scott McTominay scored the last goal there. Matty White is up next. Jimmy Smith from midday with a shortened two-hour show. It's rumoured that it's because he wanted a four-day test match, not because <laughs> the ODI so they've knocked is an hour off <laughs> from the MCG uh, between Australia and the West Indies. The SEN commentary team will have all the action. Adam White, Damien Fleming, Darren Berry and John Donohoe. Can't wait for that one. What are you up to today, MC? I'm going to go home. I've got a fair bit of riding to do, part two of the coaches' survey and see what else we can land for the weekend. What about you, Copes? Uh, busy day. Work from home day, and then we're off to Bathurst for the weekend to see the family, which will be great with nice. the kids. Uh, you got Missile in the chair with MC next week, and then Vossie and Brandy the week after, starting Super Bowl Monday. It's been a great Friday morning. So much happening in the world of sport. If it happens in sport, you'll see it here on SEN. Have a great Friday, everyone.